0: Hi, my name is Mark Kelly. I'm one of the leaders here at City Church Leeds, and I want to thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope that it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. For more information about us, please visit citychurchleeds.net or find us on all the usual social media websites. Take care and enjoy what's coming up. Well, hi. Hi. A lot of people here know me already, those who don't, my name is John, Um, this is my dad and my mom, and I'm going to move over here, this was actually my first church ever, that goes back to 1993 until 2000, and then we moved to France as missionaries, and my parents asked me to just give a five minute summary on what I've been doing in life for those who I haven't been able to tell yet. Um, So, three years ago now, so in 2011, I finished high school and was going to go to university in Paris, and um, for those of you who know of Bethel School, um, or Bethel Church with Bill Johnson and all that, we have strong links with them and we know quite a few people over there. So, I knew about that school, it's a ministry school for nine months, and um, I was hearing about it, and to be honest, at the time I was a Sunday Christian. I've always been in the church, given my life to God as a kid, but I, around my teenage, I was definitely at church on Sunday doing worship, etc., but then during the week, I was doing everything else, and I lived a double life, and I knew it, and I kind of got to a stage where I was like, okay, either I follow God or I walk away from God. I can't do both, and I was more leaning towards walking away from God, honestly, and walking away from church. Because um, I had different hurts in my heart, and there were a few things that I needed to heal up, but it's easier to run away than actually heal yourself. And I kind of got challenged by a few people, and especially my parents, who were like, maybe you should just try this school in, you know, Redding, California. I'm like, ah, nine months in California. I eh, can't go. It's too bad. <laughs> so I applied, and very honestly, I did pretty much everything I could to not get accepted. Um, you have to do a Skype interview with them, and I pretty much told them all the reasons they shouldn't accept me. It was my twenty minutes with him, and he was like, "Okay, great, we'll give you, inf- we'll contact you later." Didn't hear anything for two to three months. No idea, so I just guessed they got the message that I shouldn't be there. And I got a message in August saying, "You're accepted. You're actually the last international student to be accepted." I'll that up here. And So I went in 2011 to Redding, California. Honestly, with the idea of going for one year, it's a two-year school, and just kind of seeing what's happening and maybe I'll connect with God. I wasn't too sure where I was at. And God met me very powerfully. I had no idea that I would spend three months crying on my bed because God was working my heart so much. And that was the beginning of an incredible journey of rediscovering my identity, rediscovering who I was, and understanding that I'm worthy. It seems to be a theme at the moment. I was worthy not because of what I did, but because who God created me. You know, I was worthy from birth. I was born a prince. I was born royalty. And just understanding that it's not what I did that defined me, it's who I was. Um, So that was first year, pretty much in a shell. And then I thought, oh, I'll go back to Paris and be in the church and all that. And God told me, no, I'm going to do second year. So I did the second year. And then definitely going to come back after that. No, I interned for the school. So I just finished my internship over there. Just spent three years. And now I'm moving to Wolverhampton to do sociology and criminology. Because the last year I was doing counseling uh, in the church context. And God agreed in that. And now I'm going to get... I want a degree academically as well for the same thing. Because if God's given you a gift in something, you want to be the best at it. You call it to be. So, I'm going to be trained in both worlds. So that's where I am at. Oh. And I have the privilege of in- introducing, I'm thinking in French, introducing to you my father. Most of you know him. For those of you who don't, um, he's one of my heroes, has been for many years, but ultimately he is one of the reasons I went after God and one of the reasons I am the man I am today. And hearing stories from different people, he's also someone who's changed your lives, a lot of you, and who impacted you. So he's got a message. He's an amazing speaker. He's actually he's gifting, he's teaching. So please get notes because he's got stuff to give. Here he is Steve Blacker.)
1: oh wow yeah no i just have got nothing left to say at all well that's probably not true (laughs) uh john thank you oh city church it really is so good to be back um yeah yeah uh, i mean yeah this was this was home to john he said for seven years but it was home to lynn and i for 17 years so 1983 to 2000 this was the church of our married life this was where everything took place and uh, Listen, I, I've got half an hour or so with you this morning, so I'll, I just want to hit some things directly with you and go for this. And apparently I've not got to move around too much either, so I'll try and manage, do both. Last, last night, Stuart said something very interesting to me <clears throat> because he said that in talking with, with some of you, uh, there had been a sense that uh, in sending people out, which this church has done well over the years... Some of these people are going to come back and actually bring a deposit back. So you're you're going to be sowing and reaping. And um, this morning, Hannah's already kind of summarized my message, so that's great when God does that. Um, But I think one of the key things that that I, I want to state clearly before I even open the word up with you is that it was in this place that God spoke to Lin and I prophetically and told us to go out into our destiny. It's in here that we got a very clear prophetic word that then sent us to France, which is where we've been for the last 14 years. So I can say in a nutshell, I actually feel that I got into my destiny into doing what God had prepared for us to do here. And then from here, we were sent out. And what was interesting to us is that we seemed, um, I'm going to say unwittingly, to be a catalyst for others to do the same. So I might be saying names that you don't know, but several other families or individuals, very shortly after we were sent out, seemed to receive from God... Hey, if the blackest can do it. <laughs> well, I can get into my destiny too. Now, I don't want to imply, Mark, that everybody has to go <laughs> to a foreign country <laughs> to find destiny. It can, yeah, a big amen. It can, it can be down the road, all right? So you understand what I'm saying. But it's having that deposit of a call. So just some quick names, you know, Andy and Liz East weren't long until, until they went out, and now they're in South Africa. And Paul and Sandy Beeney followed us out, and, and are still there in France, and are now in eldership in, a, in the church in South Lille that we helped to plant. And uh, there was Jill Nidejadla, who I saw last night who went out on mission to Morocco, and, and there were others too. I'm not gonna give loads of names, but I know there are more. And so what we've got on our heart today is to actually bring you a word that will help you get into your destiny too. And, and I think that's a deposit that we've got and something that I, I wanna share with you. So, I'm a, we're about to open the Word up in, in Psalm 8, if you wanna, I don't know if anyone else actually has an old-fashioned Bible, yes, come on. Or, yeah, I, no, Mark, that doesn't count. I, if it's an I something, it's just not, not the real thing. The sound of pages turning, we need this. In fact, the iPhone should build that in. <laughs> I want to hear that. <laughs> anyway, no, 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 it's all fine. Um, and I will read that in a, in a minute, some of it anyway. But j- just let me say this, that <clears throat> um, working as pastors in Paris, which we have been doing for the last seven years, might sound, I don't know, glamorous or a great call to have from God. But I do want to state that it's been like full-on warfare. Uh, we were seven years in the north of France, and that was relatively blessed and fruitful. The seven years in Paris has been <laughs> hard work and plowing through opposition and a sense of spiritual warfare. But in it all, what I have seen very clearly is that, I'm going to say it this way, I have, I have observed that virtually every healthy Christian I know has got the same essential heart desire burning inside of them. They want their lives to count. They want their lives to be fruitful. They absolutely want to see their lives affect someone else's life. They want to share their faith effectively. They want to see conversions. If they can see people healed, that will be fantastic. If they get to drive out demons, that will be wild. But somehow, they want their lives to bring kingdom and the love of God into someone else's life. I I would say that is, is standard for any healthy Christian that I've ever come across. So then the big question is, Why do we not see as much of that as we all want to see? Why don't I see as much? Because I don't see anything like I want to see. doesn't mean I've seen nothing. I'm just trying to be real with you. I want so much more. And therefore, I know that many of you want so much more. So what I want to share with you today is is based on this principle that um, I'm, don't look this up, but I just, you know, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks within himself, so he is. In other words, just applying that, if you don't believe that you can do great things for God, it's very hard to do them. But if you think within yourself, I can do whatever it is that God is calling you to do, then that's foundational for actually seeing it fulfilled. So the core comes down to what John was saying about he spent a year almost rediscovering his identity. I mean, that is just true. The strength of Bethel, just for any of you who might be inspired at any point, is that Bethel take at least a year to to sort of penetrate into the very soul of the students there who they really, really are in God. I mean, you have to, you have to fight that in Bethel <laughs> to not be transformed by the revelation of your true identity in Christ. And so what I'm trying to say is I'm excited what the, about what Hannah shared and about the fact that you're on the edge of moving into something that's going to start making a difference in people's lives, that's going to be like bringing people out of darkness into a light, out of a cave, you know, those things she was saying. And all I want to do this morning is bring from God a sense of how God sees you. So if you want a title, I have written down, Believing you are valuable as God's creation, and it's from believing that that you can actually move into the doing. So that's that's kind of where we're going, and, and I want to read some of just four verses in Psalm eight. If you're there, uh, I want to read from verse three. I'm reading in the Revised New King James New King James Bible. Okay, so whatever versions. Take my glasses off, see better. Psalm 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you've made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Just pray with me just a few moments. Lord, this is your word. You know that I am asking you from a sincere heart to breathe on it by the Holy Spirit. This has to be breathed on by the one who inspired it for it to take root and be life in our hearts. Your word is spirit and life, and we speak that truth out so that that life gets communicated into our very being today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So David asks this question, well, what is man? And then he goes on to say some, to qualify or to partly answer that. And the first thing he says about man is, you are mindful of him. And in the Hebrew, that literally, it's a good word in English because it literally means that God's mind is full of you. That means he thinks about you and me all the time. And it's very interesting to get Christians' honest reaction to that because we have a tendency to say, who me, (laughs) Um, all the time. Why would God want to do that? And am I worth thinking about all the time? And the answer is, yes, you are. I'm going to tell you why you are in a second, but I want to just make a statement of truth. God so loves you, and is so for you and me, that yes, in his greatness, because he's able to do this, he thinks about each one of us all the time. David goes on to say, and it's different, I know, in this version to other versions. I think the, the NIV says, and the son of man that you take care of him, or something like that. This version says, and the son of man that you visit him, And the the idea, that can be translated that God visits us, that God gives attention to us, or that God takes care of us. That's, all those translations are possible for what's written down. In other words, we have a God who is extremely attentive towards each one of us. And He wants to visit you. The moment that He sees your heart turning towards Him... He is rushing with a visitation. He's heading your way. Now, to understand why we have a God who has such an incredible opinion of us and who thinks of us like that and wants to fellowship with us all the time, and we've got to get the verse 5. This is the why he's like that. And I'm going to have to give you some Hebrew, otherwise it doesn't have the same impact. Because this version I have says, For you have made him, man, a little lower than the angels. Now, that is not, absolutely not, the Hebrew. The Hebrew is, you have made him a little lower than Elohim, is the word given. And some Bibles has that in the footnote, and you can study that. As long as you like, <laughs> this is what it says. And the amazing thing about that is that Elohim is the first name that the Bible ever gives to God. its It actually is God in the plural. It's, it's the word used throughout Genesis. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, And God said, let us make man in our image. All those words in Genesis are all Elohim. So this then states, you made man a little lower than Elohim. Than God himself. So, just as a sort of parenthesis, why, why translate that then as angels? Well, I've got another little footnote that explains why. And that is because the Jews... Well, in my footnote, it actually says, according to Jewish tradition, angels, in my study Bible. And the reason that there was that Jewish tradition was because the biblical commandment was, you mustn't take the name of God in vain. So the Jews became very, very afraid of disobeying that command. If, I, if, if we say Elohim inappropriately, in a wrong comparison, in a wrong context, if we mistakenly t- misuse the name then we've broken a very important command. So they had a tradition which still stands today that you can even see in some of the New Testament descriptions of God that they would use paraphrases to avoid saying God. So it would be the Holy One. It would be the, the One seated on the throne. It would be the Heavenly Being. It would be any other phrase that you could find that meant God, but you weren't saying God, then you weren't in danger Of taking his name in vain. And so the Jews were absolutely, I'm going to say, gobsmacked by the idea that God made us only a little inferior to himself. And they were like, let's say to the angels, because we can't cope with that. That's so huge as a concept. Now, I want to say it a slightly different way to make a point. When we, you and I look at creation, all the created beings that there are, we observe something I think without exception and that is God has placed into his creation a desire to reproduce and to multiply according, each according to their kind. Across all animals, insects, Mike knows better than me about insects and every other created being that I know about, that seems to be inbuilt, that desire. Now, it would be, to my mind, a complete contradiction if that same desire wasn't in God. How could you have a creation where everything wants to multiply its own image according to its kind, and yet the Creator doesn't want to do that. It's like He's got a created order that's different to Himself. And I I can't get my head, I can't believe that for a moment. In other words, what I'm saying is, it comes from God. It's because God Himself wants to multiply His image across the face of the earth. He wants to multiply who he is according to his kind. Do you understand that? God wants to multiply his kind across the face of the earth just as he's placed into creation. Praise God for that. Hallelujah, I'm using paper, it's wonderful. (laughs) And according to David, God took his finest ingredients the best he had, and added a a dash of glory and a a sprinkling of honor, according to the psalm, and crowned you. He just crowned you as his image in the earth. Crowned you. And he says he gave you dominion for everything under your feet. Now, I... I do want to comment on that though, because I'm, I'm going to dare to say, but he hasn't crowned everybody and he hasn't given everybody dominion. And the reason I'm saying that is because you know the story from the garden that in two sentences, man decided that sin was a better idea than obedience, gave his authority to Satan, and so Jesus had to come with a twofold purpose. Ripping that authority back out of the hands of Satan. But secondly, giving it back to man. Not just ripping it from Satan, giving it back to man. That's the purpose. And so I've got another analogy for you, which I'll give you in a minute. But to see it, can you go into the New Testament with me? Into Ephesians 2. And Mark, if there's any water in this house, I would so love a glass or a something. That would be wonderful. Ephesians 2, I think possibly my favorite verse in the entire Bible, so that's saying something. Ephesians 2 and chapter 10, just to, just to underscore what I'm trying to say here. Hey, it's all right, Mark. It's happened. Look at this. This is what stewards have badges for. It's a posh table too. All right, Ephesians 2.10. I'm just going to read it first and then comment on it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I love the word workmanship in the Greek. I don't know if it's in your study Bible. It doesn't matter forgive my pronunciation all greek people present all right the the greek word is something like poema poema and gives us in english poem and poetry and has the literal sense of you are or we are god's poem we are god's poetry In French, we are God's chef d'oeuvre. Said that for the French people present. <laughs> we are his masterpiece. We are his love song in this world. And is it, if that's not enough, just try and get your head around the verb that follows. I'm going to have to say this until I know you've understood it, it says that we are created in Christ Jesus. Created. It's an amazing verb. You were not just saved from hell when you became a Christian. Something incredible happened inside your spirit and God created you differently or we might say recreated you in Christ Jesus and we sing that old song I am a new creation no more incont... and it's like what does that mean? (laughs) It means that a creative act happened inside of you when you received the Spirit of God. You are totally not the same. So the analogy, and listen, this is is not a great analogy. It's to just make this one point. I want to try and say it this way. I want you to imagine that everybody on earth Created in God's image, and that is true of every person. Created in God's image is like a blank CD. Every person. There is something, and I know it's not true, just get, get with the image only. There is just something about every single human being in, its, in our form that is made in the image of God. But when you receive Christ Jesus, the the love of God burns his poetry onto your life, sings his song and engraves it forever on the CD that you are. So you might have the same form, but you're different. You, you are just different. You cannot walk down the street and, and say that person is like me because the Holy Spirit has transformed you. It doesn't show on the outside. Maybe I'm talking about the skin and bones, but I'm telling you how God sees you. You are just a crowned one because he took the crown of thorns and in exchange gave you his crown. What are the elders doing in heaven throwing their crowns before his feet if they don't have any? They have them. We have them. They're kind of in hiddenness. I know there's that glorious contradiction, but you know, he has shared his glory with us, and we will enter the fullness of it. And we have such... A glorious truth about who we are. We are the recreated ones. We are God's love song in this world. It is us. Now you can refuse to put it into the CD if you like. You can hide it away so no one hears the music of your life at all. But the minute you say to God, plug me in, press play, then what is of God is going to come out. And everything that this God is saying to this church about going to where those people are who don't understand the darkness that they're in and don't understand the hurts that they're feeling and aren't finding the solutions for their life, you have got it engraven on your heart, mind, and spirit It's there. And God's just calling it out, calling it out, and encouraging you on. You really have it. You are the recreated ones. And it's so important to believe that, because when you believe that, you believe the rest of the verse. Because it says you were created in that supernatural way for good works That God already knows about. That's the whole purpose for your life. Right there in one verse. You are a person with purpose. Now, today you might say to me, I don't know what it is. Okay, but it's there. The point of this message is, go and find it. Find the God who knows what your purpose is. And just get into agreement with him. So the minute you agree, you're going to do it. You are going to do it. The moment you agree, the moment we agreed to go to France, we did all kinds of things by the power of God. That was our particular case. Others could say, the moment that we went to, I don't know, something end in Leeds. What's the place? Is it East End? Park. Park. Some would say the moment I went to East End Park, because that's what God said, I started to move into supernatural agreement with God and see things happen. That wasn't prophetic for everybody here. That was just an example. But I'm saying, saying, you are called. And then it's what you're gonna do with that call that's gonna count for eternity. And it's so strong in me, so strong in me, to get into my destiny and the call that God has for my life. So I want to tell you, God never made anything imperfect or inferior, and that includes you. (laughs) And what I want to do to finish is I want to read you something from a piece of paper. It's great. Um, It's the future. (laughs) Yeah. The only way to download this is to watch the video and copy it or something. I don't know. Um, It's because I was really challenged by a book. uh, It's actually called Healing the Sick by T.L. Osborne. So his purpose in writing the book was not really along the lines that I'm talking this morning. It's just that he had one chapter that really struck me very forcibly. Because he says in this chapter, which is only about five pages long, he said, once someone sees the power of God and starts on the Christian journey, here are the things that you should be teaching that person immediately. So what I'm about to read out to you, in his opinion, this is like step one of the Christian life. And when I read it, I was like, Wow. I'd like to have known that step one some time ago. It's like awesome food. (laughs) And so just let me read it, and let me just forewarn you about one thing. It's going to take me maybe, yeah, not even five minutes. But he finishes with a prayer, and that's how I'm going to finish. He suggests, read this prayer out loud. He says that in the book. Now, I want everybody to be comfortable, so I'm saying to you, I am going to read that prayer out loud, and if you want to say it out loud, repeating it after me, you can do that, and if you want to just meditate on it and let it be in your mind, you can do that too. And then after that, if people want prayer, John, Lynn, and I would love to pray for you on this whole thing of getting into destiny and your call and what God has for you. But just let me read these things first. He says this, the bottom line of positive and stable self-esteem is when you can say, I accept the value that God has placed on me. It's the start point. When you do that, you will then cooperate with God to develop the best possible you in this world. Then he makes five statements about what he calls self-value. And you understand that means determined by God, the the value God places on you. Self-value will rid you of all jealousy because you will never again want to be anyone else. Self-value will wipe out inferiority because you are in God's class of being. And he in you is greater than any person or any power outside of you. Self-value will eliminate fear of failure or defeat because nothing can stop you and God working together. Self-value will give you courage because you discover that with God at work in you, you become indomitable. Big word. More than a conqueror. Self-value will cause you to stand up tall, to square your shoulders, to look out into the future with new confidence, to walk with a steady stride, and to rise to the level of importance for which God created you. It's beautiful. Come on, church. Rise to the level of importance for which God created you. Come on. Imagine getting new converts who believe that from day one. Come on. Recognize your value. I love this phrase. When you do, you cause the seeds of greatness to germinate in you. Come on. Those are one liners, aren't they? they Come on. Recognize your value. When you do, you cause the seeds of greatness to germinate in you. Keep those seeds watered by thinking on them and reaffirming your value until your attitude and conduct are transformed. Then he says, now say this to God out loud. Like I said, this is a prayer now. So I'm saying, church, let's pray now. Move out of listening mode in that sense. And get, let's engage God, because now we're talking to the Lord, and it's up to you if you repeat. I don't mind whether you do or whether you don't. Here we go. Lord, I recognize my value. That you created me in your own image and likeness. my life is your very breath your life in human form your best material is in me I am the product of love I am created for greatness crowned with glory and honor to have dominion over your works. Thank you, Lord. I have had a rebirth of self worth. Knowing that I'm created in your image reminds me of my divine origin of my high purpose, of my infinite value. I shall never again depreciate the me that you value so much. I shall never again put down what you have lifted up. I will fulfill the destiny to which you call me. Amen. And Father, we pray. We pray that you burn this truth onto our lives. We declare that we are your love song, your poem, your masterpiece, your crowned ones, your image, in the earth. We praise you that you have chosen us to be your image bearers. We praise you that we are the product of love. We praise you that you have called us sons. And Lynn, John, and I pray, Lord, for this precious people who we love with your love and we declare will enter the good works that you have prepared in advance that they should walk in them when you recreated them. We celebrate the creation that we are in Christ Jesus. We celebrate the new race that we are on the earth. We celebrate our partnership in covenant with you we celebrate what this church will accomplish knowing who they are knowing the love song they carry we bless this church in your name we thank you for the great things that will flow out of this body of people who are the body of Christ we praise you Jesus who is the head And we celebrate your greatness spoken over every life here in Jesus' name. Amen. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say, I'm sorry. We give second chances to anyone we also have lots of fun in this house we definitely
0: forgive we also do loud and we give the best hugs we are family and in this house that means